Now, if there's one thing you can be sure of, it's that nothing is more powerful than a young boy's wish. Except an Apache helicopter. An Apache helicopter has machine guns and missiles. It is an unbelievably impressive complement of weaponry. An absolute death machine. Have you guys heard of Podcoin, the new podcasting platform that pays you to listen to podcasts? Well, we're on there, so if you're listening to us, you may as well listen on Podcoin and earn yourself some coins. These coins can be used to redeem gift cards or donated to charity, or if you have a longer-term goal in mind, why not save those coins and get yourself a free pair of Bose headphones or any of the other perfectly great gifts available on their store. Just like to give a shout-out to all our new fans listening via Podcoin and the rest of our fans all around the world, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to Painting Helicopters with Apache Adam. You've got your boy 8-Bit Ray. Oh, he's here. Oh, he's here. And we're joined today by a special guest, Mr. PJ Holden. Hello, I feel like I should have a really cool nickname now, though. Like, Just give I yourself one really quickly. That's what laser, I did. Laser Gun PJ? I don't know. Gobstopper Mademoiselle 43 PJ? No, that sounds, that's, that's maybe somebody I was accidentally chatting to. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Six Shooter PJ? No, that sounds rubbish, too. Just PJ will do, for God's sake. Hello. <laughs> Hello, podcast world. I'm PJ Holden. You might know me from such things as Judge Dredd and World of Tanks and comics and things. And anything graphic and such. Yeah, I, I do mostly comic books. Graphic. graphic. As Alan Moore once said, graphic novels is just, is just a posh way of saying comic books. Ray, do you have Alan, something to say about that? Alan Moore is a psychopath, and I love him. <laughs> know if he's a psychopath i think he's he's an individual that's decided that uh the rules that we all we all apply to ourselves are rules that we've all decided to apply to ourselves and you don't necessarily have to follow them and i you know and we we bring these rules on and you know everyone go yeah you've got to wear trousers and you know have a reasonable length of beard and you kind of go do i says who and then you go yeah no i don't and then before you know it you've got a massive beard and you're uh, casting spells with a snake god that's that's or, pod, or podcasting <laughs> or podcasting yeah, yeah one of these things is one of these things is very like the other <laughs> do we all have beards here i have the beard yeah yes. i don't i don't i i worked in it for a long long time and as soon as i stopped it so i started when i was about 14 i stopped it when i was about 38 and that as soon as that happened it was like i'm never wearing a tie again i'm never growing i'm never shaving again i'm but it didn't. I mean, the shaving thing didn't really last very long. I ended up shaving frequently, so I have a little tiny. You know, my kids think I've got a beard, but it isn't really. It's just a bit of stubble. <laughs> now you need the beard, especially on our side of the world, PJ. It's too oh, bloody cold. Yeah. Uh, no, look, if I the thing is, I'm from Northern Ireland, right? So I'm I'm from uh, Bog Trotter world, and I, we like the damp. We like the cold. If it's too warm, it's uncomfortable. That's just the way we're built. We're built for damp, cold weather, and so a beard is just too—it's just too itchy and warm. So I, I like that. I like a wee bit of a chill. I'm English, and I'm built for the sunshine. <laughs> you know, I'm just in the that's, wrong country. That's because no, that's because. But that's what all the English think. That's why they're always, they always just invade everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> constantly stomping into hotter countries and going. Do you know what? I like the sunshine here. Let's stay here. Drink that's- fuckloads of beer and just become a hooligan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, me and Ray have experience of this, the, the English people chasing the sun, landing in your country and never bloody leaving. Isn't that right, Ray? I would love to go to England and never leave. I would. <laughs> okay. Are you, yes, you should just do a swap. You two should just do a swap. We speak about I this said, all the time. All the time. Yeah. I was like, I, he's like, I want to go to California. That's nice. I want to go to England. Switch. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually why the podcast is called Painting Helicopters. We're gonna get rich doing this. We're gonna buy an Apache. We're gonna paint mm-hmm. it, and then we're just gonna switch. I'm gonna fly it there. Then he's gonna fly it back. Okay, I, I mean, I, I I can see why that would be attractive to you. I'm struggling to see what the business model is. We're gonna buy an Apache. I mean, if you went if you went on Dragon's Den and you pitched that as your business idea, they might go to you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing the bigger market for this. The question the is: Do we go on Dragons Den without the Apache? Because if you go on it with the Apache, then you've already mm-hmm. got the machine guns, so they have to just accept what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I. I mean, there there are parts of that that, that feel like they might not work out the way you think. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to go well. But we can we can dream. <laughs> yeah. Look at all the money we've shot up into little tiny shreds of paper. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to have to customize that helicopter because an Apache cannot get across the Atlantic. Yeah, that, that would be the. I mean, that, I mean, of all the things that I would have drawn a line under and said, this is the. Uh, this seems like the most unreasonable part of this. The flying across the Atlantic should have really been number one. Not not. The <laughs> it depends. You can go the long way, and we can take pit stops. Stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there isn't an awful lot between uh, you know the west coast, north west coast of Ireland, and the east coast of America. There's not many pit stops between those two points. No, but if and you go to the west coast on the flight path, you go over Ireland, and then I think you do Denmark. Is it Denmark? Yeah. But anyway, you go around the curvature. <laughs> So yes. as long as you don't land in the ice, mm-hmm. you're gonna be good. Okay, I mean, I mean, you could buy a ticket on a plane. It might be cheaper. But then you don't get to fly an Apache. This is oh, the that's problem. True. That's true. Yeah, I do like Apache helicopters. That is true. They're an they don't do so machine. well in the cold. Yeah, they don't do so well in the cold. Oh yeah, then maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. Trust it's me, a flawed business up. model, but it's still a <laughs> business model. This is the point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. This is like All a right. whole new concept for your next comic books. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I refuse Two to accept assholes. that. Listen, Two listen. assholes flying across the Atlantic and an Apache. It's brilliant. You already have itself. the super cool names. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I mean, again, seeing it as a business venture, I, I like that you've pivoted. I mean, that's a fundamental uh thing within the IT industry is if you don't quite make the financial targets that you're aiming for, pivot to another direction. So the pivot from going a financial industry, let, let's let's pitch this as a business where we just, me and you just swap places in an Apache helicopter. That's not going to make money. Let's pivot that to a comic book idea. The only industry, by the way, where I think you might make less money. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a very thankless job. It is. I mean, I mean, that's it's a, there's a great expression in publishing. If you want to make a million dollars in publishing, start with two million. That's the that's the go-to phrase. So that that you know, if you start off rich enough, you'll be able to do it. Mm. Ed McGinnis once told me that it's a very very thankless job. Yes, you can make money doing it, but it's more about the passion than it is about the money. Or at least that's what you should 
uh, think when you go into it. Listen, you can't even make that much money on it. So <laughs> you, can, you can maybe, if you're very, I mean, like I feel like I'm exceptionally lucky. Okay, I'm, I've, I've done, uh, I've had maybe 18 years of professional career. Uh, 10 of those, the last 10 of those have just been as a professional artist. And I've, you know, I've made everything from 13,000 pounds a year to you know, forty-two thousand pound a year. Uh, so I've, I've like, I, and sometimes those years are right beside each other. Like, I mean, it's a hard, hard industry to make any kind of living in. It's, it's, and it, and it, it at its best, you can make just about eke out a living, uh, and that's about it. Um, I'm very down on comics today. <laughs> so that's some inside baseball stuff for your listeners. Inside baseball, you know. There, so there kids don't go into comic books. Yeah, well, there there are the occasional people who will wander into a project, and that project will suddenly be made into a TV series, and and suddenly they're kind of they're rain raining. There's money raining everywhere, but you know, there's only one Charlie Adlard. There's you know, it's, it's not it's not going to happen to everyone. So, yeah, but uh, that's true. why you that's why the passion. That's why you do it because you love it. Because you know, you're not never going to make an awful lot of money. But again, I actually, I mean, I realize that that um, there there are going to be people listening that will think, oh, I would do it even for, I would do it for free, and I would, I did do it for free. I, you know, so I understand that that there are people that would see any moaning about the lack of money as kind of, oh, you're just moaning about something that you get to do, and I don't even get to do that. So I, I have been there. I can understand that. I, you know, it's it's a a job I've always wanted to do, and I would have, I would still be doing it for free anyway because it it doesn't, you know, the, I I essentially only take the money so I can pay for the food so I can keep drawing. That's that's it, you know. I can't remember who said it to me. So a friend of mine said to me once that we don't get paid to draw comics; we get paid to send invoices to publishers. So, hmm. Hmm. there so, you go. I killed that dead. <laughs> yeah, you really did. <laughs> just most, where do we most go? People just, most people yap one about the passion they have. It's not about the money. Well, you know, bullshit. It pays your bills. It keeps yeah, the lights I mean, on. Like, it. I mean, passion. Passion is awesome and everything. But the the problem with it is that um, it can only take you so far. I mean, you can die of pa- passionately die in a desert with no water. You know, it's it, it's only going to take you so far. And and I, I've known a few people that that you know they've had careers and and it, it's fizzled out for them. And it's and you know you can also you can end up in a comic career which is completely passionate list because you're you're being paid to do work but it's not the work you really want to do but at the same time you've got to pay the bills and that's and that's that's a death as well and that's kind of it's one you want to try and avoid um i've been again very lucky i've got to do the kinds of work that i i love doing so that that's been great but um you don't know when that carousel is going to stop as a as a thing i suppose um, right. but yeah yeah so anyway were you passionate were you passionate about it when you were doing Judge Dredd, or was that more of a paycheck? Oh no, God, no! Dredd, Dredd is the thing I grew up wanting to draw. So Dredd's the thing that that at seven years, eight or nine, ten years old, I was drawing. I was doing in about nineteen eighty-two, I think maybe. No, I must have been must have been ten or twelve or something. And my uncle and I made out of computer punch card a um, oh. I'm having trouble connecting to all. Sorry, did you look at the help section? Shut up, in your Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa has made a cameo on painting helicopters. Yeah, I told you we're going to get that Apache. Do you, do you know why? Right, <laughs> let me hear this. Genuinely, 
uh, I was fed up with, um, we have about four different Alexas around the house. And my kids go, Alexa, play this music. And it always kicks off mine because mine is the really good one that has the better uh, microphones and it hears everything. Uh, And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to rename Alexa. Very cleverly, I renamed it Computer. But of course, now every every time I'm watching Star Trek, and then somebody goes, computer, tell me what's going to happen now. My Alexa goes off and goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And so that's what happened there. And I said computer, the word computer, and Alexa just went, oh, I don't, I can't find that thing you're talking about. And goes, shut up, Alexa, shut up. Anyway, anyway. No, so Dread, Dread was my passion from a young age. And I always wanted to do, um, uh, we made, we built Justice One, which was Dread Spaceship in, in the Judge Child saga. We made that out of out of uh, computer punch card. And um, I just, I always wanted to draw Dread. So to get to draw, Dread was my first paying gig, really, um, mm-hmm. when I was 30. And it was like, wow, this is what I've always wanted to do. But it was kind of felt like ambition fulfilled. What do you do now? What's your, your next thing? And sometimes as well, the, the things you think you're passionate about aren't, quite what you're passionate about i thought i was passionate about rogue trooper i thought god i'd love to draw rogue trooper and when i got to draw rogue trooper for 2018 um it turned out i was really passionate for dave gibbon's artwork in rogue trooper not for my own artwork in rogue trooper when i got to draw it was like oh this is nowhere near as good as i wanted it to be and it's like oh that's because i i keep thinking i wanted to be dave gibbons drawn rogue trooper i didn't want to be me drawn rogue trooper uh dread's slightly different because dread is a character that that has had so many hands touch that character so many artists touch it that it doesn't have a definitive voice so I kind of always imagined that I would have my own version of Dread. And over the years, I played with different ways to draw them. Uh, and I've been drawing Dread for about 18 years, uh, off and on, you know, doing issues here and there and so on. Uh, and I've got to a point now in the past few years where it feels like, oh, this is my Dread. I draw a Dread. It's distinctly mine. It doesn't look like anyone else's. And if you saw that Dread, you'd go, oh, that's PJ's Dread. So th- and that's kind of a really nice place to be. And I would, you know, I'd happily draw lots and lots of Dread non-stop forever and don't tell anyone but i don't even do it for free but my wife and kids would would shout at me then they'd want something want to want to eat something <laughs> well what inspired you for dread was it the movie was it this uh, sylvester stallone movie i'm afraid ray i am much older than you give me credit i am 49 still the stallone movie came out when i was 25 so i saw it um at that point, it was kind of I, you know, my my love for Dread was firmly in my heart at that stage. So the Stallone movie made me waver away from it a little bit, but not not terribly far. And then uh, when I five years later, I was sort of drawn that that actually the Stallone movie when the Stallone movie came out, there was a, a a comic coming out called Lawman of the Future, which was a kids comic about Dread. So they kind of decided to do this kids version of Dread, thinking the movie would come out with a, a PG rating. But then the movie came out with a 13 rating uh, and kids couldn't see it. And so it was a and it was a flop and it was a complete disaster. And then the, the, this little comic that had come out in support of it kind of folded as well. So it was quite it did quite a lot of damage, that film, really, when you think about it. Although I know a few artists, friends of mine that, that are doing stuff for 2018 now that got their first break on Law Man of the Future, which was the, the kind of based on the slow movie dread. So, no, it, it did not inspire me. It, it did the opposite of inspire me. On the other hand, I was stuck in this place called Milton Keynes, and I don't know how to, I don't know, I don't know how to describe Milton Keynes. Deray, it's a shithole. Yeah, it, it is, you know, it, it is uh, it, it is like the a, a Midwest town with nothing for millions of miles around it, and, you know, it's, it's, it is a one-horse town in a, in a sense. It does um, have the bowl. 
It has Milton Keynes Bowl, and you get Dave Grohl there every year with the Foo Fighters. Oh, do you? All I remember about it is there's lots of roundabouts, and I wasn't even in Milton Keynes. I was in, um, uh, I was actually in at the time that wasn't as well known as it is now, um, because the the so I was I was doing a computer degree, and I went there for a placement year for one year, and I went to I was staying in Bletchley Park. Oh, wow. Or, or the, actually, the town of Bletchley, which was where Bletchley Park was. Uh, and I knew Bletchley Park existed, but there was no way to visit it. And there was no visitor center and stuff. Now it's now it's kind of become touristy and people know about it and people are trying to kind of keep the place alive. But at that time, you know, the number of people, it's it's like it's like things like Nikolai Tesla and stuff. There, there are things I was interested in 25 years ago that you, that you found on the fringes of the internet. You'd find out about Bletchley Park. You'd find out about Tesla. And you'd read these these really long sort of documents about these things that someone had spent this all this time researching. You'd go, that's really interesting. Nobody knows about it. And then through pop culture, through The Simpsons, through, you know, uh, kids' cartoons, like your kids are talking about them. You're going, how come everyone knows about this stuff? This is unfair. This was my secret knowledge and night. everyone knows about it. But anyway, they, I was stuck in Bletchley, uh, and uh, the Stallone movie came out that year, and I went to see it twice in the cinema because there was nothing else to do. That's how bleak uh, Milton Keynes is. It's so bleak, you'd go and see the Stallone Dread movie twice in a row. That was pretty bleak. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awful. Uh, Earth AD, is, it's still running, right? Yeah, 2080 is still on the go. Um, I was at... Um, I said Earth AD. <laughs> Earth AD, that's fine. You're not, obviously not a 2080. It's fine. Lots of people aren't. It's never really got the saturation in the American market. And I think... Um, so you find you find a few Americans know about it because they might have English relatives or they might have gone to England when they were younger uh, or and they've, or they've stumbled across it at some stage and, and became slightly obsessed by it. But, but it never really penetrated the American market, despite the fact that Dread himself is, I mean, for a lot of UK readers, Dread was the epitome of what America was, you know, it's sort of fascist cop, um, but in, a, in an America, in an America that kind of exaggerated everything about America. Um, and so to give you an example, Right. There were in Dread uh, years and years and years ago. So, you know, 20 years ago, you would have read stories about uh, eating contests for a competitive eating contest. These things didn't exist in real life. But of course, they exist now. They, they exist now. And, and there were guys that were uh, characters described as fatties that were literally a ton in weight and had little belly wheels that would carry cart them around. And of course, you have that now. You have people sort of, you know, you, you've, you've seen people that are hundreds of pounds in weight, not able to get out of their houses and stuff. And, and it, it sort of it took a lot of the stuff that, that was on uh, that people knew about America and really ramped up the exaggeration of those things. There were in 2008 at the time you'd have been smoking would have been everywhere. You could have smoked indoors. You could have smoked anywhere at all on airplanes. Not uncommon to smoke on a flight. Not uncommon to smoke on an international flight. And yet in 2008 there were smokatoriums where the smokers were barred into. So it was kind of exaggerated all this stuff. And yet we're coming to all of that world now. We're slowly but surely crawling towards all of these kind of outlandish things and going, oh, these are perfectly normal. <laughs> So uh, that's what's really interesting about Dread. Dread's world is is that sort of end of it. That's the stuff I, I was always interested in. And do you collect comics, PJ? No, I used to. Not now. I have no space. There's no space. I I would. I have a digital subscription to 2080. The thing is, I love I love the smell of comics. I love the feel of comics. I love all the tactile stuff about them. Um, 
but I don't have the time to read them. I don't have the space to store them. Uh, and it's just, it, it's too difficult now. And you, you get to a certain point where you go, if I, I mean, if I had every 2000 AD from uh, 1977 to now, the amount of physical, they, I wouldn't have any room in my flat. There just wouldn't be the space to, to put anything. There's just no room for these things. And what about I comments? Somehow... Go on, Ray. Go for it, Ray. Uh, get in uh, I was going to say, I somehow find space. There's like 14 <laughs> long, there's about 14 long boxes crammed into oh. a closet. Yeah, it's, they're not displayed proudly, but they are in yeah. this house. And, they, and the wife and kids will be gone before they leave. So <laughs> just yeah. saying. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I did a while ago. I was never a big, big collector of comics. So I had maybe, but at my height, maybe four long boxes. Um, when I was much younger, there's a, there's a, a comic called Commando, which you might have heard of, Adam. I, 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 have. Um, I have. Yeah, I used to love Commando. Commando were little digest-sized comics. They were black and white comics, always about war, uh, typically about World War II. Um, they had quite a, quite a sort of um, simplistic sort of worldview. So it was all, you know, I take that, you Nazi, and smack. And that was that was a, a, a handy hawk, uh, British invader, like all this stuff, you know, so I like all the key German phrases, handy hawk, Fritz, all that stuff is what you get from Commando. Um, Do you remember the computer game Commando that was based on the comics? Was there one bit? I, I remember playing a computer game Commando. I didn't think it was based on the comics. Though. It was loosely based. That's why you had all the same phrases. Like you'd have the French shouting, I surrender. And then you'd have the Nazis going, you'd have, you'd attack the, you'd be the English attacks and Nazis and you'd be like, go for Hitler. Yeah. The, I, I, on, I, I definitely, it was like a, it was a game where you had to kind of move characters around. It was like almost like a stealth game where characters were moving around in patrols and you'd have to move your little troops around. Yeah, it was really yeah, yeah. loosely based. But it was it w- fun. Yeah, it was a fun little game. I, de- I mean, it. I don't. I, I, I would disagree that it was based on it. I would say to you that it's using a lot of the same tropes. I would say that the people who designed that definitely read Commando, definitely read um, um, Battle, which was a, another British war comic. But it, 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 what I'm trying to get back to what I was saying, which is that when I was younger, I had like three or four hundred Commando comics, and they were just this one little comic. Commando's been running since 1967. I still print, still in print right now. It's up to something like issue 4,000 Um and and they're all these little sixty-four page digest comics. They're amazing. I love them. But um, I I mean I would I'd be buried if I had all that stuff. Eventually, I'd, I'd take these notions and just give these things away and go here. You can have all of this. Uh, and uh, the most recent one I did was I went. You know I'm going to get rid of all my graphic novels and I'll start with this one. And I picked one out, just one, and I gave it to my best friend. I went here. You take that. And he took it away. And. I was sitting there going, oh, I, really, I wish I hadn't given that away. I wish I'd kept that. There was no point even getting rid of one. Why do I should have just kept that? So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll buy it. I'll just buy it back instead of get, asking him to give it back to me. But it was Domu, which is out of print and is now worth 75 quid. <laughs> so that's what the valuable lesson. I had the same experience how you were talking about giving it away. Yeah. I had not, I had nine copies of Infinity Gauntlet number one, like oh, nine years ago. No, it's about. Yeah, about nah, eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Had plenty of them. I was giving them out as birthday gifts, as Christmas gifts. Here you yeah. go, read this one. And now it's like, you know, Marvel's completely blown up. And I'm like, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I mean, generally, I, I would never have more than one issue of a thing, even if it's 
I mean, now that's the when you're when you're a, pub, a, a published artist, you will generally get complimentary copies of things. So sometimes you'll have, like, if I'm doing World of Tanks, for example, I'll get ten copies of each issue, uh, and then so I've got ten copies of each issue. So five issues, that's fifty comics straight away, and then I'll get ten copies of the collections of them. So now, I, I, which are big thick books, so now I've got like ten copies of that, fifty comics, and I've got, and it's, I'm sitting here looking at it, going, oh no, it's just. They, they suddenly, the comps that you've got just drown, you just drown in these things. So, and I need the space to work because I've only got my little studio room here, which is tiny and it's got like a stack full. Now, there are definitely comics I'd never let go of. I've got Dark Knight Returns that I bought when I was 18 or 19. Um, but now I've got like four versions of it. I kind of ask myself, why have I got four versions of the Dark Knight Returns? <laughs> why am I going to read them? You're not alone in that. Yeah. You're not alone in that. It's the greatest. It's the greatest comic story ever told. Period. The end. It's it's, it's inspiring. Pretty it's pretty good. And I, I mean, yeah, I have uh, that and Watchmen over and over. Like I have hardcover Watchmen trade paperback, hardcover trade paperback, single issues, all of Watchmen, and it's pretty much the same with the Dark Knight Returns. See, I I don't, and I think part of it is because for me, Watchmen is. Because of the stylistic, formalistic kind of uh, artwork in it, because of that that sort of nine-panel grid thing that really uh, put a formal kind of method of drawing on it, to me that is not as visually interesting as The Dark Knight Returns. And I, I, I think Watchmen maybe is a, a better book overall, but the the like... Uh, and I think Dave Gibbons is... I mean, it's ridiculous to compare artists, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think Dave Gibbons is a better artist... Than, than Frank Miller, but and Frank a very Miller's nice name. man. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dave's Dave's lovely. Dave's really nice. He actually I was at New York Comic Convention the, uh, uh, this year, and Dave came up to the table, and we were chatting away, and I was kind of going, Dave's chatted to me like he's like we've known each other decades. And we sort of have because I do a lot of stuff in Clip Studio Paint, and and um, which is the sort of drawn program a lot of comic artists use, and uh, you know, Dave's recommended me for writing articles for Imagine FX and stuff, and we've. I, you know, he said to me, he says, I get all my inside knowledge on that software from you, which is very, very generous of him. Um, but uh, to me, Dave's like, I was a 2008 reader. So Dave's artwork on Rogue Trooper was like, oh my God, that's the most incredible thing. Whereas Watchmen, I don't think is, uh, it doesn't interest me as much as, as that sort of Rogue Trooper stuff. On the other hand, I think Frank Miller, who is maybe a lesser artist than Dave or not as good at rendering as Dave, but at the same time, like Watchmen is is way up in the A game. It's like you know, it's so it's got such potency and power that the reason I've got multiple copies is because of the artwork. You know, I I'm, I only need one copy for reading. But you know, someone goes to you. Here's the Dark Knight Returns, your original 1989 version. Here's the absolute. Here here's the original art edition, which has got sort of duplicates of the original art, including inks and pencils you've never seen before. You go, yeah, I'm having that. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah, I'll have that. Thank you. So that's that's why mm -hmm. I've got multiple copies of this stupid thing. Yeah, I saw a guy. I was because you said you get complimentary things, but do you get to keep your original artwork? Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I mean, um, I think it's been a long time since anyone ever said, I would like, you know, please send your originals. So for most artists, they don't even send the originals anymore. They, I mean, basically your originals are like, uh, if you're a digital artist, for example, originals just don't exist. They do not exist. If you uh -huh. are a, a hand-drawn artist, generally you'll scan them in and send them because otherwise you're, 
your options are to post them off to places and that's kind of insane now um so they for most artists you wouldn't really even be asked to to give over your originals um when i was younger and and um at the start of my career i would have posted artwork off and there was a couple of instances where the artwork was not uh returned but it got eventually returned so but the artwork is i mean the 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 truth is i think um the way contracts are written it essentially says the copyright holder becomes a publisher which means that if someone wants to make a duplicate of the artwork the copyright holder has to give permission for it but they don't own the originals you know, they generally don't own the originals, which means you can sell them for a little bit if you've if you've got them. Yeah, I saw the guy at a Comic Con that had a. It was the guy that drew Fables. I can't remember his name. I want to say Williamson. I want to say, but he had an entire book of original uh, drawn art for Fables yeah. from the extra pages from the comics. Yeah. And I, you know, if I ever found an affordable, you know, uh, panel or a page of yeah. a comic that I really loved, I'd pick it up. Definitely. Well, what would you like? What would you like? If you could, you know, I, I mean, let's, let's take dark Knight and Watchmen out of the equation. So what would you like apart from that? Who, what, what artist would you like? Uh, I'd like an original Nick Cardi who did Aquaman back in the sixties oh, and seventies. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, I would, I, I've seen original Nick Cardi's cause there was a friend of mine was a, an art dealer uh, in Belfast and he would have got, I think he had a few Nick Cardi's pieces, um, but probably, you know, a lot of the older art would have gone, would have been long gone. So it was, it was kind of um, maybe not quite at the peak of his powers anymore uh, stuff, but still, mm-hmm. still interesting, still nice. Um, but I, I would imagine Nick Cardi stuff's quite attainable. Do you collect any, have you any original art? I, I've seen original art for sale, but it's not really in my price range, for especially for the things that I would want. Yeah. So. But to find a Nick Cardi, I think that would just make my millennium. Yeah. Okay. That's a, and it's still only early in the millennium. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Do you any, is there, I mean, would you collect original artwork? Would you? What are you going to put inside the helicopter, Adam? To be honest, I'm not too fussed on original artwork. I'm more of a... I follow specific comic book characters, uh, yeah. whoever draws them. So I just collect specific runs more than I follow artists. Uh, see, I, I, no, I, I will be completely honest. Okay, Dread, apart from Dread, I don't particularly... I know, actually, you know, that's a complete lie. I was going to say I don't follow characters, but I love Dread. I love uh, Road Troopers. So those, those are my two characters I love. and would l- read more or less anyone on them to see what they're going to do with those characters because they feel like characters you can do a lot with. So I'm always interested. When when someone feels at it, though, I kind of think, that's all right. well, you know, that's fair enough. They feel at it. But um, it, for me, it's always about an artist or a writer. It's always about, you know, I'll follow... Alan Moore to most places, um, and I'll follow uh, Mike Magnola to most places. Uh, Kevin Nolan, I'll go wherever he's going as well. Adam Hughes would have been an artist. I would, I would pick up anything he's done. Um, and there's, you know, uh, 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 Stuart Emmerman. God, I'd love a page of Stuart Emmerman work. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, please, Stuart Emmerman. Um, but so for you, I mean, so if you were going to get a character page or a sketch from someone, what would it be? So it's Adam. always going to be one of my main ones is Green Arrow, and then okay. anybody that's been involved with the old school Ninja Turtles, I'm always up for Ninja Turtles. I followed that comic book and that that group of characters to mm-hmm. the end of the earth. Okay, um, Nick Roach has done. Who's I know? 
I know Ryan Brown, he's a Belfast-based artist, has uh, done some painted colours on the Ninja Turtles that look pretty good. Um, I love the Ninja Turtles. I've got tattoos of the Ninja Turtles all over me. All, all over you? <laughs> I've got two. Well, you, are, I've got, you are a living canvas then? Uh, um, well, I've I got a very large amount of tattoos. Okay, okay. Um, I, I have some pages of original artwork and just looking at my wall. So I've got a John McRae page of... of um, uh, Judge Dread, which is actually doesn't have any dread on it, but it does have Justice One Dread spaceship. Because as I was saying earlier, when I was younger, we, I built that mo- I built that out of cardboard with my uncle, and uh, John had did this, uh, done this page, and and I said, John, and I've known John McRae a lot. I've known him since I was about eighteen or so, and I said, John, look, I I, I wouldn't ever ask you for anything, but I really want that page. <laughs> he went, okay, you can have it. So that was nice. Uh, so I've, I've got that page. I've got a really nice um, uh, page by, what's his name? Um, uh, Cully Hamner. Um, Cully Hamner, who drew red. But the page I've got is actually the Kingpin, um, inked by Jason Martin. And I, I don't particularly have it for the Kingpin. I've got it because I really like Jason Martin's inks. So, uh, And I've got, um, oh, what's his name? Um I must have some something else. Oh yeah, there's an artist called Jesus Redondo. Jesus Redondo uh, was a Spanish artist, I think, who drew a lot of stuff for British comics in the eighties uh, and 90s. He's actually still working. Uh, he drew most famously, I think, um, he drew one series of Nemesis: The Warlock for 2000 AD, um, and he drew a great Alan Moore short story called The Time Machine which is about, it's ostensibly about a guy who invents a time machine, but actually is about a guy who fails to invent a time machine and then kills himself by throwing himself into the river. And as he's dying, he sees his life flashing before his eyes and he realizes that that is the time machine that he was trying to invent. So it's really emotionally, it will wrench you apart, that, that particular story. But this, the, I've got a page by uh, Jesus Redondo, which is from the from 1960 nine drawn it's got a date on it when it was drawn and it's december 16th which is just a few days before i was born so that's that's a fun little page to have it is i'm actually just looking through loads of different ninja turtle artists just so i can figure (laughs) out which one i've liked the most you are always looking up something while we are talking dude i'm terrible i was on a podcast earlier um for, for basketball, which I know inside and out. And while I'm talking to the guy, I'm just researching more and more. Because I have to stay one step ahead. And because I've been asked a question <laughs> that I didn't wa- have an answer to, now I need to go and get that answer. Because otherwise it's piss me off. T- is that why you talk to me? So you can fall back and be behind in the game? I let you be ahead because you need it. I do. I, you need it too. Don't act like you don't. This I, is therapy for us. It is. It is. We've become very good friends over comic books. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I used to. I used to work for Adam, but uh, I don't anymore. So you know, we still have this. This keeps us connected. I think we'd still be friends even if we didn't have this. But you know, friends. It, it helps. Friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to be friends forever. I'm looking at. It's probably going to be Kevin Eastman. Okay, very, so original artist. Very good. Yeah, yeah very I good. think it's gonna be him. I look, I bought Ninja Turtles on my shit. Like, I'd happily, gonna... happily, happily have four children, all boys, and name them after the turtles. And then I'll change my name by law to Splinter. 
Okay. I, I have I no problem with this. To keep those children, but that seems like a nice idea. If I lived in Italy, I'd be completely fine. It would be acceptable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if Splinter would be, but okay. It's 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 not on the band names list. I've checked. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it's, it's always important to know that well in advance. <laughs> Do you, you have, want to to have know. children? Yes, I do want to have children. I want to have four children, and I want them to be called Michelangelo. Uh, I can't remember the name of the others. Donatello. <laughs> Donatello, Leonardo, and uh, Raphael. Cappuccino, Cappuccino, whatever. I, I Cappuccino. <laughs> name of the turtles. Goodness oh, me. God. I would, or I'd just buy four turtles or terrapins. I've I've have considered buying terrapins many times. I will time. be honest with you, Adam. Um, it, of the two options, I would think buying turtles might be the easier of these two. Definitely the cheapest. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. Yeah. I have one child, and that's expensive enough. However, yes. she's named normally, so we're okay. But Adam, no, normally uh, isn't even a girl's name. <laughs> Adam, the uh, the turtles that they used in the original Ninja Turtle movie were red-eared sliders, just so you know. When they're crawling around in the ooze and all that, they're red-eared sliders. Are they legal where I'm from? They're legal where I'm from. I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so are guns. That logic doesn't hold up. Hey, man, you got you to gotta shoot these bears away, man. Don't hurt uh, the bears. Do not hurt the bears. No, because I only have a nine millimeter in this house. So a nine millimeter to a goddamn bear is—it's uh, like shooting a BB at a train. Frankly, you'd be better thrown. Frankly, you'd be better throwing the turtles at them. No, yeah. no, the bear—the <laughs> the bear wants a hug. That's all the bear wants. <laughs> Adam is always trying to save the damn animals here, dude. You couldn't live here. Go to L.A. LA has bears and I'd be friends with them too they have grizzly bears the grizzly bears are like 40 miles away from my house I don't have to worry about them they don't travel this far inland they stay in the mountains where they belong dude I was in LA a couple of months back and in that time I befriended a gecko a raccoon and I nearly befriended a snake but I wasn't sure if he was nice so I left him alone but me and a raccoon we became boys I thought you were working your way up on a size scale to towards a bear there when you first said a gecko, a raccoon, <laughs> a large dog. Uh, no, I did Shetland, befriend a, a dog pony, as well, actually. And, and, then, then, was and Stella. then finally a bear. <laughs> just, no, I just befriend animals as much as possible. I okay. think they're hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I can give you the gecko, the raccoon, and I forget what else. I can give that, but the bear ain't happening. Sorry. The raccoon was funny as fuck, man. He scared the life out of me. I was walking down the street, and for some reason, where you're from, the more affluent the street, the less lighting you have. I have no idea why. Um, America. Yeah, probably so you can get robbed easier. (laughs) But um, Yeah. It was like... Gotta make a living. Dude, it was like 11pm at night. It was like my third night in LA. Um, I'm walking to the store. So it was about 10.30, because I was walking to the 7-Eleven. And I, I just heard this rustle in the bushes. I shit myself. And I've turned around. And there's this raccoon on his back legs, man, just looking at me. Me and him were friends instantly. I didn't go near him, but we were friends. Yeah. Uh, the rats in D.C. are huge, man. I thought they were going to ask me for a cigarette. They're, they're fucking huge. Like Splinter, huge. Oh. 
yes, like almost humanoid. They're like the size of cats, and I'm not even exaggerating. They're some of them in certain areas are huge. They see cats. I I don't fuck with cats. I don't like cats. Then how are you ever gonna come into my house? There's three cats in this house. But you have to, two to dogs. To be fair, if, I think if Adam likes to befriend animals, cats naturally are not friends of humans. They, you, you, I mean, essentially you're a pet of a cat. If you know, you, you're the cat is not your pet. You are the pet of the cat. Exactly. That's why we originally worship cats. Yes. Back in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. I've always gone with the analogy, when I go away, whenever I go to the States and I come back, my dog is happy as shit. Oh, you're back, you're back, let's go to the park. Let's, let's, let's. Then I come back, if there was a cat, and it would just look at me like, oh, he's back. That's the problem. <laughs> I don't like cats. Emotionless, emotionless yeah, creatures. Evil, yeah. They're evil. PJ, <laughs> do you like cats or yes. dogs? I, I, I've got a bit, we had a dog, we borrowed a dog, um, we were going to get a dog, my kids have been desperate to have a dog for a long time, and um, I, I, cats, I, you know, I can take or leave cats, I like cats, I like all animals, including cats, but I don't particularly want to have a cat as a pet, because I feel like you're not really, it's not, it's quite a one-sided relationship with a cat, it's not like you're getting anything out of it, um, so I, we were going to get a pet, and we were looking for dogs, and, uh, and we're in a, uh, an apartment, which is reasonably sized, but I've got two kids, so it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and we ended up with um, a greyhound, because greyhounds, although physically very big animals, are actually quite lazy, they don't want to do anything, they just want to lie around all the time, and we had it for about a week, and it was lovely, and it was a lovely big thing, but I, I, I just suddenly your life had to be focused and rearranged around what this dog, when the dog wanted the crap, and it was like, no. Not for us. Let's give the animal back. So I'm I'm all for not having any pets unless they can go to their own toilet and, and flush. That's the those are the only kind of animals I keep. And and even then if I'm totally honest, my kids are touch and go on that list. <laughs> Fully trained or not at all. Hmm? Ray says this about his kid. He'd happily trade it in for more comics. Yeah, absolutely, and she knows it. Breaks her heart, <laughs> but she knows it. Yeah, I got them to our place. But does she as know what comics they are? I mean, uh, I mean, are they good comics you'd trade her in for? Well, it depends. You know, quality or quantity. You know, so if I'm getting a shit ton of them, they better be you know okay. Mm. But if I, if I'm getting a specific book, then I'll trade her for something pricey. Okay. Then. What about Detective Comics number one? She's gone. I wouldn't want that. Oh, would you not? Nah. Action Comics number one, I, I'd trade my whole family in for. What the but, fuck? <laughs> what? I get Action Comics nice. number one. This I'm is retired. why your wife threatens to punch you in the throat. This is, yeah, this all is, the time. This is a nice thing about being a British comic reader is that British comics never really reach that big a price. Like, you can have number one of, of 2000 AD for like a, like 50 quid or something if you really want it. It's, it's not expensive, except maybe the Beano and Dandy, but they're from 1936 or something. They're, they're very early comics. But uh, yeah, generally the comics here just do not reach those kind of prices. Are Beano and Dandy still going? Beano's still going, Dandy's finished, but the Dandy is still occasionally does a Christmas special. Right, have you ever read any Beano or Dandy? No. Oh, you no, missed out, man. Dennis the Menace? Yeah, not Dennis you, Dennis the Menace. Menace. Yeah, no, no, we have a different... Yeah. We, weirdly, right, weirdly, the Dennis the Menace, the child character who is a menace, 
two two Dennis the Menaces exist, right? Right. Um, <laughs> one in America and one one in the states. They came out within a month of each other. They were first published within a month of each other within in 1936 or something, and and have been published steadily since then. Which is why the unusually the copyright is kind of, there's like two of them. You know, if one had been out much earlier or something, you 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 know the other would have fought for copyright. But they both exist. The the British Dennis the Menace would kick the shit out of the American Dennis the Menace. That's it's a he's a much rougher character. He's a dog called Nasher. He is absolutely one of the most violent characters in comics, or at least he used to be. Um, whereas the the American Dennis the Menace likes to play nice chips on Mister Wilson and run away and and stuff. The the British one would kind of you know Stop would. It. Yeah, yeah. Every episode used to end with his dad giving him forty slaps with a slipper on his arse because he's misbehaved. It was a very violent comic. So the way to look at it, Ray, is your yeah. Dennis the Menace has ADD. Our Dennis okay. the Menace is an absolute fucking psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> and this is in the newspaper. No, no. Oh. This is in the comic, the Beano, which has oh, been okay. published deadly from nineteen thirty-six or something. So it's been published for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, it's it's, but it's only a short, like it's once a week, and it's uh, two or three pages. So it's sort of equivalent, or very similar to the kind of the, the American newsprint uh, comic strip stuff, and it's a humor strip. So it's almost, it's very, very similar in terms of where it's coming from but it, i think it really shows a different attitude to a lot of things american versus british attitudes i think maybe maybe it doesn't i don't know maybe i'm talking bullshit usual i'm having i have sometimes i have trouble understanding english humor or you know like uh monty python and the holy grail i i know that's like the funniest shit in the world over there no and, and no no I, really? holy grail's okay but it's not as funny as life of brian life of brian which is amazing. I'm more of a bottom guy. Oh, well, bottom's quite good as well. Bottom's funny as hell. You ever but seen I just bottom? Have a hard... No. I have a hard time understanding the Monty Python humor. Like, I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah, I mean, I look, when I was a kid and BBC Two, and of course you didn't have, uh, you couldn't sort of rewind anything. I would always catch it at a certain time. It meant I almost always missed the very start of it. And I would watch Monty Python's Flying Circus, and I would constantly watch it to the end and think to myself, "Where is Monty Python? <laughs> if, this, if this is his circus, and I'm assuming by like it doesn't look like a circus, but there like there are people there and they're doing funny stuff. But where is Monty Python? It used to really annoy me. <laughs> it was the it was the group name, right? It was like yeah, the comedian. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just the, it was just their name. It was call, I mean, like calling them, themselves any any particular goofy name it's like sergeant pepper's lonely heart club land it didn't it sort of didn't really mean anything um it just allowed them to do a whole bunch of kind of unrelated or related nonsense um yeah i mean the python humor is kind of i mean i like a lot of it but a lot of it's very sort of oof, it's very of its time as well um but it, it sort of it fed into other things that are, are better i think um but th that whole thing where you you uh basically upturn your expectations where you think something's going to happen and instead something else happens where you know that's kind of very fundamentally british humor you think you know it's 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 almost like it doesn't it doesn't have the same sort of narrative or proper narrative that you really expect it's a whole bunch of unrelated things just happening so um but yeah i mean i don't know if i'd use python as as the kind of um this is the ultimate in british uh, british sense of humor but something like um i'm sure you've seen stuff like um 
what do you call it? Uh, Faulty Towers. Have you seen Faulty no. Towers before? No? Well, no. That, that, that's quite funny. But that, you know, Faulty Towers is a classic kind of British humour thing. But it's it's uh, um, John Cleese, who was in uh, Monty Python's Holy, uh, Monty Python, ended up kind of spinning off this TV show. And then that kind of fed into a whole bunch of other shows afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's things that are sort of, it's like two countries separated by the, a common language is, is the expression in it. So there, there is a, a point in the humour sometimes where, we don't get, I mean, like the best of American humor, we're lucky because what we almost always see is the best of American humor, uh, Big Bang accepted. Um, we tend to only get the really good stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know, we don't produce enough stuff to for the American market to kind of only get the best of our stuff. So I don't know what you've seen. And what have you seen in British humor? What's been good? What have you liked? Uh, I like the original Office, but it only ran for like one season, didn't it? I think it was two seasons, and it was like six episodes, which is a very typical British format. Um, you have one or two seasons. Have you seen Fleabag? No. Oh, Fleabag's amazing. Um, but Fleabag's like six episodes, two series, and that's you know it. There's I never going to be more than that. Hmm? I find everyone who's not based in England likes Ricky Gervais. Everyone who I know based in England can't stand the guy. Yeah, well, I mean, there's. I think there's there's a thing about um, England and kind of UK people is that they don't particularly like anyone from the UK who's prepared to say I'm actually pretty brilliant. They don't yeah. like that. Whereas I think <laughs> Americans are kind of they're they're ready to go. Do you know he is? He is actually pretty brilliant. Um, so there's that that kind of thing goes on. Um, there's a little bit in the in the sort of British mentality that goes. Oh, do you know what? Is have we heard enough from you now? Maybe it's time for you to sit down and shut up, because you have just been going on and on and on about yourself all the time. So please be quiet. And I think there's that kind of <laughs> attitude, whereas the Americans are much more like, no, let, we love this. What you're doing is great. Keep going. Um, and so there, there's a sort of difference there. And I think characters like Gervais, who um, have hit the British market and uh, I kind of want to expand and want to keep going, have to go to America. Where where they will hear more. That's it. I I don't know if you've seen any Alan Partridge, Ray. Have you? No. Oh, oh I, I'm missing out on a lot of things. I should You're be great. writing these down. When, well, I, when I, I listen to this episode back on Monday, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing this stuff down and start looking <laughs> into it. Okay, so I'm throwing in eight out of ten cats because I'm younger than you guys. So that's my idea of a British humor. Eight out well, of ten eight, cats. I, eight out of ten cats is okay. I don't think it's hilarious. But eight out of ten cats does countdown is amazing. Oh, there we go. We've Rachel Riley and um, oh, I tell you, eight it, out of ten got, cats it's does got countdown. Elements, is it's got elements of Monty Python humor in it. The the whole kind of non sequitur stuff where you know one one guy will come in and they'll be dressed in a bossa nova. So eight out of ten cats does countdown. Right? Is countdown is a popular kind of afternoon quiz show. That you know, contestants sit down, and what they have to do is they they get a s- scrambled set of letters and have to make the largest word they can think of out of these letters. It's a very popular sort of show, for kind of of a certain older generation that would sit and watch this show. Um, Eight out of ten cats is a comedy panel game where contestants kind of basically go. You know, uh, eight out of ten people said this about a thing, and then they spin jokes out of it. So eight out of ten. Uh, Cats was a show that was on late night on uh, one of our channels, on the same channel that uh, Countdown was on. These shows are unrelated. They have nothing in common whatsoever. But for uh, Comic Relief Day, 
which I think you must you must know about. You must have something like comic relief day in the states, right? Do you do you are you familiar with the concept conceit of of, of comic relief? Yeah, yeah I follow yeah. a lot. I follow a lot of dumbasses on Twitter. Yeah, that's my comic relief that's every your, day. Okay. Okay, well, <laughs> once once every couple of years, get together, try and raise money for people. That's the that's the gist of it. But one of the things they do is, or one of the things that Channel Four did was they kind of went, let's take TV shows that don't mix and we'll mush them together to make a brand new TV show for this one day. And so they took eight out of ten cats, which was quite a funny panel show, but not amazing. And then they took uh, Countdown, which quite a dull kind of fun kind of um, quiz show but not amazing in my opinion. And they mushed them together and they produced magic. They, I don't think anyone expected it to be as wonderful as it is. And that show has, is funnier than eight out of 10 cats. And it's more interesting than uh, countdown. And it is, it, it's, they did it for that one night and then they, it's been, I don't know how many series of it, but there's been multiple series of it because it is very, very fun. Because what happens is all the comedians come on and they kind of go, right, we're going to do this proper proper adult quiz show that is a proper quiz show for grown-ups and we're going to do that and then they go i can't it seems really like hard work can we not just goof off and do stupid things and it's very funny and then the characters they have on it are great but but they've got some of the same hosts that are doing that would do the the serious countdown show some of the same hosts are on it and they're trying to do a proper serious show while these comedians are kind of ripping the mickey out of everything but it's a good show i like it that's anyway. your number one homework right eight out of ten cats does hype does count down yeah i'm gonna look into all this don't worry <laughs> but alan then, partridge is amazing as well my son started getting on the alan because there there's a new alan partridge show on tv just recently um alan partridge is this kind of he's like a mid-afternoon television host who is not very successful uh but but it's the conceit is it's it's a it's the comedian steve coogan who you probably know better from some not amazing uh, films in the states. So he was in. He's the Roman gladiator in um, uh, Night at the Museum, uh, the little tiny Roman gladiator guy. And he's been in a, a whole bunch of sort of Midland affair kind of family comedy things in the states. In the UK, he's more more known for sort of edgier adult kind of stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. this character um, has been running for like. You know, um, I don't know. He's had this character for about twenty years. Every few years, he appears in a new TV show. One of the first TV shows uh, he did was called uh, "Knowing Me, Knowing You" with Alan Partridge, where he was he was doing basically a kind of um, a, a TV interview show, like um, you know, a very typical TV interview show. And if when I first watched it, I didn't really know Alan Partridge as a character, so I thought it was a real show. And then all this stuff starts happening. It's complete chaos. And the whole, the whole thing ends, that series ended on uh, Alan Partridge accidentally killing one of the guests. But it's all played totally straight. It's all played totally, totally straight. And then the next show he was in was like a reality TV show about what happened after... Alan killed a guest on his TV show and it's about him trying to pick his life together and living in a hotel and having a really crappy time. But the, this this new show that was just on um, was basically uh, a sort of daytime uh, entertainment magazine show where they've got this Alan Partridge on as a guest and it is amazing. And my 14-year-old started watching it and loved it so much. He started, he went, oh, I've got to find everything Alan Partridge has done. And I went, well, he must have done loads because he's been doing this stuff for about 20 years. Turns out he hasn't done that much. In 20 years, he's maybe done 
six TV shows that are six episodes each, which is not a lot to show for, for 20 odd years, but it's great. It's good. Oh my God, you're going to watch all this stuff and go, Jesus, this stuff is shite. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Speaking of uh, really funny shows, Adam, since you still have my Hulu login, have, did you enjoy Future Man really Future quick? Man did you enjoy it? Shit. Oh, I've seen bits of that. Yeah, that looks fun, like fun. It's, it's got the guy from, uh, what do you call it, the Mockingbird series of shows? Mockingbird films? He's, he's oh, one of the uh, um, Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, what the shit's P- his name? Petorius or something, or Pat- Patricia? Uh, no, Peter! Peter! Yeah, Peter! Petroleum. It's called Petroleum. Pita Bread! Yeah. It's called Pita Bread, something like that. <laughs> No, it's a really, really good show. The concept of it's great. It's just super fun. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, did you like how they? Did you like how they warm up before a mission? Oh, the way they warm up before a mission is the way all missions should be warmed up. <laughs> am, am I right in thinking? Let's go with uh, physical connection. Something like that. Is that what happens? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Vigorously. Yeah, okay then. All right, okay, all right. It is a yeah. It's a kind of a goofball show. It's on Sci-Fi in the in the UK actually. I think because um, Future Man is. Yeah, yeah. It's on the Sci-Fi channel in, in the UK. See, oh, I wow, stream a... everything. Like um, I pay for an internet package, but I refuse to pay for TV because I'm quite weird and I refuse to be told what I'm going to watch. <laughs> you have to watch this at this time. It's like no, thank you. Yeah, no I thanks. Could... I could not imagine Future Man being edited on TV. I think that would suck all the fun out of it. Yeah, this is I don't why... know if it is edited. Ah. It's on um, Sci-Fi Channel. So I don't this know is why I've got they've... Netflix, Amazon, and Ray's Hulu. Because between the three, I don't really miss out on anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you know what, though? I have to be honest. I like uh, Years and years now of streaming, I, some, I sometimes... Oh. It's right. There's, there's a dog attack. Um, not your friends, after all. Uh, after years and years of streaming, I sometimes miss sitting down in front of a TV and being surprised at what's on TV. You know, where, where you you're you're just sitting watching TV and something comes on, you go, "Oh, that's rubbish," <laughs> but but then sitting watching it anyway, uh, or or a, a thing that isn't either a drama or that that like even documentaries. I know there's documentaries on Netflix and stuff, but it's been so long since I've sat down to watch a documentary because I kind of go, oh, and there's the new series of Star Trek Discovery. I'll watch that one. I'll watch this. I'll watch that. And so you end up kind of your diet. It's like um, it's it's like accidentally going vegan. You sort of accidentally own one type of food. And then at the end of it, you go, oh, I'd love a burger. <laughs> why am I why am I craving for a burger even though I do know it's really unhealthy? You just sometimes have cravings for some kind of TV shows. Right. There's your dogs. Your dogs absolutely disagree with me. Now they're just saying they, hello. They're really friendly dogs. They are. I agree in a way though, PJ, but I tend to um I tend to watch a lot of TV through the catch up channels, you know where you go on like ITV yeah, online, yeah. channel four online. And uh, that's how I watch all my 8 out of 10 cats, actually. Yeah. But if I want to surprise myself, what I'll do is I'll start watching YouTube and then I'll go to sleep. And then when I wake <laughs> up, do, whatever's on is my well, surprise. I, I do not feel like that's the sort of pleasant surprise that one would... That, that's like waking up with a wet willy or something. That, that is not... That is, <laughs> That's not a pleasant surprise. It depends. It, it could be some. Usually, 
gives you stuff you like for it. So it depends how long you're asleep for. I mean, yeah. PJ, you might be familiar. Do you remember Devo when YouTube first came out? Uh, can't remember. So the guy was like, um, I tell you, he was co- comedically, he was really, really talented. He portrayed multiple different characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And this one character he had, I don't know what the guy's real name is, but the one character he portrayed was called Devo, who is your typical 2006, 2007 British chav. And that was the character mm-hmm. he played. And I'd forgot mm-hmm. he existed. And um, I had a nap the other day and I woke up and there was a Devo video on and it just brought back so many of your memories. That was a pleasant surprise. Wow. Check it I, out. I, he he attacks will... a dead pigeon. <laughs> okay then well guys this has been fun for me i have got to go now because i my kids are gonna need to go to bed um and i'm gonna need to tuck them in so i'm going to go and do that um unless you have any very last minute questions or anything i'm gonna go and do that are you working on anything new anything new uh yeah i've been doing this graphic novel with garth ennis for quite a long time now and it's oh, nearly incredible yeah, it's nearing the end. It's nearing. I can I can see the finish line. It's within sight, but it's been nearly. I did a previously. I did with Garth World of Tanks, and I've done this graphic novel. Um, and it is another World War Two thing, and it's just it's been it's a hundred and sixty pages or so. So I'm very really close to the end now. I can just taste that finish line. Garth Ennis's <laughs> run on Garth Ennis's run on Hellblazer was amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good, yeah. and it, like it's amazing when you think of you read that stuff again, and you kind of go, "Oh, he was only twenty two or so, twenty three or something when he wrote that." He was he was a child. Yeah, yeah he randomly a pop, he randomly pops up at cons. Like he won't be announced; he'll just show yeah. up and set up shop. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how he does it. He was just signing uh, a couple weeks, or maybe a couple months ago, up in Maryland. I was going to mm-hmm. go, but I forgot about it. Like to meet Garth one day, but yeah. He's. I. I mean, I like Garth. We. We've sort of. I've known him for a long, long time. The. Um. What do you call it? The. the he sort of obviously he's from Belfast. Um. He's actually strictly speaking from. I think he's from Hollywood or somewhere. But but he's from Northern Ireland. And um, when John McRae opened up a comic shop, John and him sort of started working together. But I kind of knew him around then as well. So about eight, seventeen or eighteen or so. Um, so I've known him a long time. It's 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 really it's really weird to see someone's ascent into kind of comic book demigodness and and go oh i knew that guy when he was 17 <laughs> it's kind of odd <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah you look out for that i'll, I'll not tell you uh, it's for a book publisher and they have ca- quite a long lead time so by the time it actually comes out we'll be 2020 so i'll keep okay. our eyes out hopefully we'll speak yeah. to you again uh, once yeah. you're finished yeah. yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any plugs? Do you want to, you know, give your Twitter well, handles or anything like that? If, if you enjoyed chatting, if you enjoyed listening to me on the on your podcast, I do a podcast with some friends of mine called the Sunnyside Podcast Show, which is kind of very much me and a couple of friends. Um, sometimes I let them speak. Mostly I don't. Um, or I <laughs> yeah. do, I just... Normally I'm the talker on this show because Adam's yeah. usually looking up flights or whatever he's doing. Yeah. And he's like, okay, Ray, just talk for a few minutes. Uh, And then a few minutes turns into 20 minutes. And then I forget he's there. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people forget I'm here. That's not a good sign. (laughs) um, I mean, the the one thing I'd say about about our podcast is we, the three of us are in the same room together. So it's actually very, it's a, it's, it's like sitting in a pub, listening to three friends talk about stuff. They like it, it has a very, because we're in the same room, 
it, it means a conversation is is very natural, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's always awkward when you're online and stuff. I mean, you guys are probably much more comfortable with this than I am. I always find when I'm online, it's like, should I stop talking now and give them a chance? Will they spot it if I do? Oh God, no, they haven't spotted. I better keep talking. So it's like that. Whereas no, we'll just talk over them, each other. <laughs> well, when you're in yeah. there with people, you can see that you know you can go. No, you no, know, no, let me. This. you know they're about to interrupt you and you can shut them up that's that's what i like about it but that's my my podcast and my twitter is paul j holden uh, on twitter if you are a comic artist or interested in drawing comics i have a another twitter account which is purely about drawing digitally and it's purely about using clip studio paint and it's pjh tips it's at pjh tips at uh, uh on twitter so those are the places you can find me so thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on, PJ. Hopefully we can do it again in the future. All right, that'd be good. Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a good one, bro. All right. Bye. Bye. See Bye. I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> <laughs> somehow I'm going to leave this conversation somehow. Any second now when I figure out which one You're welcome. Is. You're yeah, welcome back good. anytime, PJ. It's the one shaped like a phone. I know, I'm going to go now. I've got a big X, right? I'm, <laughs> and my finger's hovering across the big X button. Come with my glasses. He, does, he doesn't want to go. I'm gone. No, it's I'm okay. Going. Bye. Bye. See ya.